0: na napechu zapiello Le Unkipiki Hewashtelo. Greetings and good day and welcome our relatives. I shake your hands with a good heart and good feelings. It's good for all of us to be here. This is First Voices Radio and Teokus and Ghost Horse sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Osopas, in the lands of the Muncie speaking Lenape. This is an all-native-hosted, all-native-produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill is a producer of First Voices Radio. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First FirstVoicesIndigenousRadio.org for archive, downloading, and listening. And Keala Kelly is a Kanaka Maoli filmmaker, journalist, and activist living on Hawaii Island. Her works address the critical links between cultural, environmental, and spiritual survival in a movement for Hawaiian self-determination and indigenous peoples' struggles for territorial and political autonomy. She is an outspoken advocate for indigenous self-representation in mass media, a Ted Scripps Environmental Journalism Fellow, and has an MFA from UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Kaala's reporting and her commentary have appeared in many publications including Indian Country Today, The Nation, the Honolulu Civil Beat, and the Honolulu Weekly. Keala is a producer of Our Rights to Self-Determination, a Hawaiian manifesto which was just published. And for more information about Keala, visit and com and nahohewa.com. That's N-O-H-O-H-E-W-A dot com. Keala, Kelly, and I began our conversation with our traditional greetings offline. We begin to record a conversational session about how hard it is to really get truer Indigenous news, Indigenous issues, mindset, a heart heartset behind what is not being heard in the mainstream Native press, the Native American press, the Native Hawaiian press, or the Native press. And so we begin this with our friend Andre Olchek, who was a frequent guest here on First Voices years ago.
1: How moved you were by his words. And then, you know, you just introduced this piece and the piece is very much like about how hard it is to be that kind of a journalist or in his case, a journalist and a filmmaker and a writer and a novelist. He's all those he was all those things. Right. And I look at that and I just think, yeah, it's really hard because, you know, technology has created a landscape, a media landscape where something like my little book of sovereignty can't find a home. And even though it's all true and it's all relevant and it's not just relevant, it's necessary. And I don't say that because I wrote it. <laughs> I say that because there's an absence of that level of political, cultural, spiritual, historical storytelling. Uh, and it's, it's like the more technology we have, the more narrow the space becomes wherein somebody can actually tell a story because it's it's hard for Native people, especially for the Hawaiian story, which is like, you know, the original, by the way, the original title of Our Rights to Self-Determination was The Inconvenience of Being Hawaiian. That was my original title. Yeah, I mean, it is so inconvenient to be Hawaiian. It's, it's inconvenient for us because of everything we have to do to accommodate A million people who are on top of us and it's also inconvenient for them when they're told you're here because of the theft of our country and the erasure of us as a people it inconveniences everybody to tell the hawaiian story and so you know it's it just becomes it doesn't become easier to tell the story it actually gets harder every day
0: thank you for that and i think about is In mid-August every year, Sturgis Motorcycle Rally happens and a million people show up in the Black Hills for those three weeks and they just trash the place. Just all kinds of technical junk, industry, waste. It all comes in hoping to make something better because they came to the Black Hills to have fun as tourists. Kind of the same thing, probably much different than what's happening in Hawaii right now. And I think that's why this book is needed. There is a place because Hawaii and and your people will stand that test of time. This is perfect size. It fits in the palm of my hand, fits in the back of my pocket, fits in my, my shirt pocket. And I need this to really understand because I've been on that land, Keala, and I and I feel that one flag is not going to do it. It's a song that Queen made up way back then. That's the song that's going to, you know, come through it all. So clear. After a while, you, you're thinking it's only been a hundred years or so. It's been we've been flooded layers upon layers upon layers. So we know how to be colonized. Yet Hawaiians are just new to being colonized. And how does that work? And how does that feel? And who's writing about that? And, you know, the storm is still still to come because if they're going to make you tribal like a Native American, then what's the use of this book? A lot of people have not been aware or not, and never will be awake because of what their belief system is in the, the greater American. And they came here to make things better for Hawaiians. We get that trip over here and there's very few people like Andre, like yourself that come crystal clear. And that's dangerous to the politic that is called Americana. And I think this is a book that needs to be put in people's hands.
1: Well, I really appreciate your words and I hope people hear what you're saying because, you know, that's why it's all of those things that you said. It's, it's compact, right? It's succinct and it's, Every word in there is true. Uh, As I said earlier, it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to everybody, but, you know, it's like climate change. Denying it doesn't make it go away. It's a problem that should be addressed, and it can be addressed. And I think, you know, you were talking about, like, it hasn't even been that long. It's actually only been about 130 years, coming up on 130-year anniversary of the overthrow, which is a U.S. overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom. Uh, Hawaiian Kingdom's government and Queen of the O'Keolonis government. It, it hasn't been that long; the devastation feels eternal. And I think that you know, you speak often about you know language and the way words, what words really mean, right? In English, or what what they come from, and and the way that American culture infrastructure economy, values, all of that has been imposed over here. It's hypnotized Hawaiians into thinking things that are not true and into believing in a kind of oppressed way. I mean, that's how, if we use the word colonization, like Hawaiians, some Hawaiians will say, we're not colonized, we're occupied. And legally speaking, under international law, strictly speaking, that's correct. But intellectually, mentally, culturally, culturally, This is a colonial environment, and nobody's impervious to it. And Hawaiians certainly are not, because we've suffered the devastating impacts of it for a pretty long time now. But it's the hypnosis of media. It's the hypnosis of a certain kind of education that makes people think they can't get out from under it, right? They cannot free themselves from oppression because it's so ingrained you know, capitalism. Everybody, everybody thinks capitalism is the only economic model that will ever exist, and I think we're looking at the end of capitalism right now in the world. You know, I think we're looking at its final stages because this kind of economic and this kind of a value system can't go on uh, indefinitely. It's gonna, it's gonna have to end. You know, just like the destruction of the earth can't go on indefinitely but i do believe one of the things one of the reasons for writing this and making sure that it's like you know how it is once something's written it's there it's permanent ink <laughs> whether people pick it up or not it exists and and one of the reasons for that is to make sure that it's just it, it's understood that what's happening in hawaii can actually be made right you know justice can we can achieve justice I think everybody in the world deserves justice, but you have to show up for it, you know, and that's, I think that's where we're at right now is I'm not, you know, where and how people show up, whether it's for the earth or for the first peoples of the earth, uh, you know, wherever and how they show up for justice, it actually really matters right now, I think more than ever. I don't don't know what your sense is of that.
0: I do think that it's on the road to, People say recovery. Some people say, and you begin on the first few pages in the book, our rights to self-determination. And as you said, the language, and I've looked at this before, the word determination, and I took the, the word D-E or the letters D-E off of termination. So when I read it into it, termination of one's mind or will by itself toward an object. So, you know, that's what I, not without that was termination basically ending one's mind ending one's will toward and making them an object right so forget the land but now you're talking about determination to of one's own mind and how much of of that mind has been diluted has been deteriorated from any action that the land itself Kea, the big island in the Hawaiian Islands are asking for is like people need to look at what's left and can anything come out of what's left? As you say, there are two competing narratives in Hawaii. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. And, and I think you're right. Um, and I think that's, I mean, it's so important how we use certain language and then um, what that's grounded in. For me, it always starts from the spiritual The spiritual reality of being Hawaiian. People say spiritual, spirituality, and I say spiritual reality. And, and our actual lived experience is what I'm always coming from. Uh, I just don't see any sense in believing the lie, uh, that is told over and over again by Americans. Uh, and that's the narrative here. It's the American narrative, narrative is a lie. Uh, one of the reasons the Hawaiian people Any Hawaiians, whether it's one of us, two of us, or a thousand of us. One reason Hawaiians show up at any given issue, whether it's a reaction or to start something, is because the United States of America is illegally occupying the archipelago known as Hawaii, or previously known and still known to many Hawaiians as the Hawaiian Kingdom, or Kapai Aina. This is our country here, and it's not just our country in this kind of way that anybody would say like, oh, the Hawaiian nation um, or the country of Hawaiians, when Hawaiians say that they're talking about that nation state status, that what, 197 member states at the United Nations, they're nation states and they all adhere supposedly to certain international laws. They all have international treaties. The Hawaiian kingdom was the first non-Caucasian member of the family of nations that ultimately became the United Nations. And, and in that, the agreements that Hawaiians had with the United States, the agreements that Hawaiians had with the United Kingdom, with France, all these different countries, that was a, a certain set of laws that they had, everybody agreed to. So when Hawaiians say that the U.S. is illegally occupying Hawaii, they mean that there was never a treaty of annexation. Do we have T-shirts? I even have one. It says, show me the treaty. <laughs> we mm. always say that, show me the treaty, because the United States, and I, and I mentioned one of the incidents in this little book about how uh, when John Kerry was the Secretary of State and um, a letter was sent from the CEO of the Office of Hawaiian Affairs saying, basically, you show us the treaty. It was sent to the, the, the Secretary of State. It wasn't sent to the Department of Interior. And then a few weeks later, suddenly Obama's administration decided that there was going to be these DOI hearings and Hawaiians could discuss this federal recognition that we do not want. So everything about the U.S. in Hawaii is just lie upon lie upon lies, just layers of lies. There is zero truth to the American narrative of Hawaii. I can't find any truth in it. But when you tell a lie over and over again and you impose oppressive forces to back up the lie, generationally it starts to take on its own energy. It starts to become its own story. It becomes its own false representation of truth. So now we're 130 years almost into this lie of the American ownership of Hawaii. But Hawaiians who are educated enough to know certain legal and historical facts, will always say, no, no, no. We never wanted to be American. Hawaiians were very clear about that. We never wanted to be American. They proved it every which way. And because of that, the U.S. Congress was unable to pass through their process any treaty of annexation. So there is no treaty annexing the Hawaiian kingdom to the United States, which means there's no annexation which therefore means that it's just an ongoing illegal occupation. So even though it's 130, almost 130 years in in motion, that doesn't change what it is. And that's the problem with the American mentality, Tiokasin. Americans think, oh, well, it's been a long time. Sorry, you know, go along with it. That's how Americans think. They don't, (laughs) not all Americans, of course, but you know, most Americans, they're indoctrinated into believing the lie too. The lie of their supremacy, the lie of their being number one at something, right? So Hawaii and Hawaiians is just this story that people keep trying to pretend doesn't exist or they just ignore it. And if you ignore something long enough, you can obliterate it. So, you know, speaking to it in whatever language I can get my hands around is is the best that I can do, whether it's in a film or in a essay or whatever, because it's it's the truth that matters but it's the truth that's marginalized here that's the american machinery here every so-called law in hawaii is wrong every you know when i say this by the way and i do talk a, about it a little bit in the book you know every land title everybody who has who thinks they own land here that's wrong Right. There's nothing that's been done since 1893 that's actually legal here. So that's what Hawaiians are always coming from. But at the same time, you know, how to exercise those rights seems to, you know, feels mysterious to us. Uh, I don't find it mysterious at all, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's an important thing to understand, especially by the way. You know, how long ago I think the other day I saw in cultural survival magazine that. We just had, was it the 15th anniversary of the UN's Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples? 15th anniversary is last week. And that took 20 years to get, right? So that was a 35 years in progress kind of thing to come up with that declaration. I think that there's been a lot, or it seems like there's been a lot for uh, First Nations peoples, Indigenous peoples, Aboriginal peoples, It seems like there's been movement on that over the past few decades, you know, internationally. But Hawaiians land in a very, very particular place with regard to being indigenous and also with regard to the nation state model, which I personally don't like the nation state model. I think it's not a good model, but I'm aware of its dominance, right, on the globe.
0: It would seem that that nation state model has to fit in. What's already there and it's always about getting into the system and asking and beg begging for give us some of what is already ours. And we can talk about the UN Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Two thousand and seven, we're only seeing the bigger countries. And I know there's smaller countries that are hidden that we don't hear from that aren't going to make big news. And yet Hawaiian Hawaii is its own nation before 1893. I think that was what it was. So it was recognized as a nation in itself and internationally. Could you talk about that and then lead us up to 1893?
1: Yeah, for most of the 19th century. I mean, after Captain Cook, you know, late 1700s, Captain Cook shows up and, you know, in comes uh, the colonial world, right? And, And that was happening throughout Oceania. And we were pretty much the last place where I always make kind of make it funny, I say we're the last place in Oceania where Whitey showed up. And that's because that's the last stop for Captain Cook, and he did die here. You know, by the, you know, 20, 30 years later, I mean, there had been wars here. Kamehameha the Great had spent decades so-called conquering the islands. Some would say unifying the islands, right? Unification through conquering. That was Hawaiians fighting Hawaiians. I guess I would call that a civil war that went on and on and on. Um, But in by the time he died, and I think he died, I must say, in eighteen sixteen or nineteen, but right around in there was when he passed away. And by then, being recognized as its own country had already that had already become a reality. And it, in the uh, ensuing decades, international treaties were signed. You know, the kind of treaties that they sign are about trade; they're about peace and friendship. That's actually the name of a treaty. Uh, One of the treaties is about banking, but back then it was a postal treaty because most people did their banking through postal service. So these are the kind of agreements that the Hawaiian kingdom had with the U.S. and like I said, these other major powers that are still the major powers of the world, the colonial powers, the white powers of the world. But the Hawaiian kingdom also had 90 embassies and legations throughout the globe. King Kalakaua, and I talk about him in the book, he, he was the first head of any state, any nation state, to circumnavigate the globe. He went out there traveling around, meeting people. The first state dinner at the White House was for him. President Grant, he was, Kalakala was a very impressive leader. And he was seen that way throughout the world. So think about it in terms of how Hawaiians, who, by the way, were being killed off of our population was killed off by Western diseases that were imported from day one of white people showing up. So even in that environment where Hawaiians are being killed off by these diseases that they have no immunity to, this other thing was being constructed in an attempt to save the Hawaiian people and the archipelago and to maintain autonomy. And that's what the kingdom was about, even though it was modeled after Western kingdom way of governing, um, that was also born out of the Hawaiian tradition of chiefs and chiefesses, like our leadership tradition was already in place as well. So Hawaiians adapted certain things. You know, by 1893, we've had these missionaries coming here for decades, and it's their kids and their grandkids of the original missionaries that were trying to take over the entire archipelago. It's Christians doing it to us. And it's foreign businessmen doing it to us. And it's the U.S. government ultimately doing it to us. And the reason for that, Tiokasin, was because of where we're located. We are the most isolated people, dark archipelago on Earth. We're right in the middle of the Pacific. And what is the United States on about? World domination. We became the military, the, their site for the largest military command in the history of militarism. And people come here on vacation. They have no idea. They think, Oh, Pearl Harbor, that was terrible. The Japanese, those terrible Japanese, they bombed Pearl Harbor. That's one tiny piece of the story of what's being done and has been done here. The United States took over Hawaii because it wanted to militarily control the largest ocean on earth and all of Asia by doing that. You know, that, that overthrow wasn't just because they didn't like that Hawaiians weren't white. They were able to do it, I believe, in large part because Hawaiians are Native and also because Queen of was the first female woman of color, the first woman of color to head the nation state, and look what they did to her. So the motivation for the American occupation and the ongoing occupation is to this day still about militarism, about dominating the Pacific, and then being able to control Asia by doing that.
0: And really really interested in, in more than how do how does one express what this mindset has done, this this uh, proud, you know, like we have proud people that are called Americans and they don't want to be held accountable. So, you know, when it came to 1893 and how that so-called overthrow was, they had to make the imposition of an enslaved mind. You couldn't do anything so you're on this archipelago and you have all military around. Now, this is purveying through the, the decades up until till now that there's nothing else that Hawaiians can do. The kanaka, the people cannot go forward yet. You can show up at protest, and our uncle would say, live among them as surrounded and in a land that is occupied. We can, we can accept that term, but when it comes down to it, like here in the States, we cannot own land. We can only occupy the land that we're entrusted with by that foreign government. When I talk about foreign government, I'm talking about the people because we we quickly go to the government. That's the government's fault because the people don't want to hold responsibility for voting for that government. So I'm going to look at and listen to the individual and hear what they have to say because sometimes they're whatever works with them and doesn't work with them, either guilt or shame or whatever works, they still put on the Hawaiian shirt, fly to Hawaii, spend that, that week or two or even a month. And then what happens to the Hawaiian? What happens to the land? And as you said, the military, the telescope leads to telescopes. It leads to, oh, that was yesterday. This is now. I'm sure you've heard it all, Keala. But when I'm talking about the the continuing Theft of everything, even being afraid of a dance called a hula. You know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. What, is, what are they afraid of that they cannot acknowledge um, in themselves as well as seeing it visibly that Hawaiians have already been there? And yet, when it comes to saying, I'm from Hawaii, I'm Hawaiian, I know what that means as a native person. You know, I can say, I'm Lakota. I'm not Lakota American. I'm Lakota. But a lot of my own people say, well, I am a Native American. That's the trend. We're giving way to a lot of, to say, I'm a good Indian. And from what I hear from you, a lot of Kanaka Maoli have, have resorted to being good Hawaiians. <laughs> That's Jason Lee Wilson off the 2020 album, Tennessee. The name of that song, Rainmaker. My name is Teokasen Ghost So I'd like to welcome you back to First Voices Radio. We've been talking with Anne Kayla Kelly about sovereignty and self-determination amongst the Hawaiian or the Kanaka Maoli in the archipelago of Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And we continue with the ideas and the appropriation even now of the word indigenous how everyone can say but we're all indigenous to the planet we're all indigenous and i often ask the question where were you when you really needed to be indigenous where were you during this time that the earth really needs you some people don't realize how long it took for native people indigenous peoples to actually get the word through the united nations in a process of about 35 years and Kayla kelly talks about the downplaying and the appropriation by capitalistic countries and the word indigenous and Kayla Kelly.
1: I think, yeah, in fact, I would say even the word indigenous lately, I just feel like that's a word that's being done to death. I think that it's it's become like this catch-all and it starts to lose meaning. And part of that is because of how it gets used by the non-natives. So then it becomes really problematic because there's so much appropriation going on full time, which I think is just part of the capitalist process is to appropriate and appropriate. Um, You know, one of the things that I think, you know, when people come here for a vacation or build their vacation home here or whatever, there's, they always talk about, you know, that tourist slogan, the aloha spirit, you know, that's like, I hear that and I hear the dead Hawaiian. <laughs> I hear the disembodied Hawaiian spirit is what I hear when I hear aloha spirit. I hear us being done to with our own aloha. Uh, You know, it's this place still has its, the Hawaiian word, and I use this word often is mana. It has its spiritual, soul, creator made mana. It still has it. We have Tutupele, a volcano. People say, oh, the goddess, like, she's still working. And and that, I think, is true for a lot of, most of the archipelago. It still has this, even though the things are being done to it, like the contamination of the main, one of the main aquifers on Oahu a year ago, and it's still ongoing, uh, by a military fuel tank, by the U.S. Navy. That's the most crowded island in Hawaii, by the way, and they have destroyed an aquifer. It takes who knows how many millions of years for nature to create an aquifer of freshwater in the middle of the largest ocean on earth. Like what kind of a sociopathic serial killer mentality thinks it's okay to sacrifice a freshwater aquifer for fuel tanks for the military. That is the system of governance that is sitting on top of Hawaii on top of this beautiful place that is being raped to death by the American system. So in comes Americans to be here on vacation. As far as I'm concerned, they're just a part of the rape machinery of Mother Earth visited upon this archipelago. And so they're all part of that same thing that's destroying our aquifers. Uh, it's... It's so, you know, ecocide is a daily norm here. Ethnocide is built into the legal structure of the state. Our erasure and removal and the deadening of this life-giving, beautiful place is the purpose of the American empire in Hawaii. It wants to erase everything so that it is only a desert outpost from which they can launch their wars. Because ever since 1893, or rather starting in 1897 with the Spanish-American War, so-called, they've launched every one of their wars from here. So Americans have this hypnosis. They're hypnotized too, by the way, that this is some kind of paradise they can have a vacation in and feel the aloha spirit. They're just here to experience the death of us, not the love of us. They're here because of the killing off of us the ongoing erasure of us we're, obviously we're still here some of us are i'm still here i'm i'm still alive i still have my soul i'm still using that you know but uh, it's they're here to experience our erasure and be entertained and learn how to surf or something while they're doing it and and it's so it's this, you know our reality is actually a nightmare it's a horrifying nightmare of alien invasion of white supremacy, of cultural and physical erasure. Um, You know, we can look at something like the 30-meter telescope, which I also write a little bit about in the book. That is an ultimate, that is just a desecration project on our most sacred site in in an area, literally one of the most sacred areas, not just on this island, but in the Pacific. And they want to do what to it? You know, they want to destroy it. So that they can do what, look at pretty pictures of outer space? I mean, you just, you know, if you have your sanity, especially if you're an indigenous person, anywhere on this earth, any native person who still has their sanity, it takes them about two seconds to look at that kind of a project and say, this makes no sense. Just like putting a fuel tank on top of a precious aquifer makes no sense. Just like bombing Kaho'olawe for decades and for target practice and destroying that freshwater table forever made no sense. You cannot make sense. I cannot make sense of it. There's no sense in it. And what happens with the American uh, mind and culture is that it wants to have a vacation on your demise, right? Like you were describing earlier, the Black Hills, this sacred place. That they have already raided for gold and whatever else they can suck out of it. Now they're going to come here every year, and they're going to have a party on it. And you just, you know, any sane, especially if you have a spiritual sense of your existence, looking at that, you can't. It's 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 crazy. It's the worst meaning of the word crazy, but it's also intentional, Tiokasin. And that's, I think, I think that's the hardest part for the Native. And I think it's hard for the, the American as well to acknowledge the intent behind that level of disrespect and desecration. It's hard to go. It's hard for Hawaiians. I can, I can, I can attest to that. It's hard for Hawaiians because we are, we have this world, this word called aloha. We have an entire ideology around that word. So it's hard for us to accept that nothing good will ever be coming to us from the United States or Americans. It's hard for us to accept that because it goes against our own philosophy of life. And, and it goes against what we know is the core of being Hawaiian or just being human. You know, Kanaka, like you said, that just means being human, just says you're a person. And and we have to accept that. And I think in this century, in the 21st century, if we don't accept that, we won't survive it. That I truly believe that because we're being done to so severely by environmental destruction, by cultural erasure, and then appropriation. That's why I have a problem with the word indigenous now, even because it's so appropriated mm-hmm. that. That it's being done to by in every direction. And, you know, I've heard criticism of people say you shouldn't use the word Hawaiian because that's not actually a Hawaiian word. <laughs> that's, you know, a foreign word, right? It's not, you know, kanaka oeivi or kanaka maoli is like more of a way that we would define ourselves. But I say, well, the word Hawaiian is still has a meaning and and I'm gonna if you know, my grandparents could use all those words, so can I and I'm still using that word, and I'm not going to let some non-Hawaiian take it away from me, and I'm not even going to let some educated Hawaiian take it away, and so I know I've been talking for a long time. I should let you talk for a minute, but you did no. ask me about educated, yeah. like you you did allude to like, you know, how some Hawaiians are kind of going along, and I think that, yeah. I think in some ways we've had the resistance has been kind of educated out of us, yes. you know, um, and it's made us, and then COVID happened, and that kind of, was another kind of oppressive, sort of lockdown of something of a movement, you know, because mm-hmm. we couldn't see face to face each other, see each other face to face anymore. Um, so I think what's happened is people are tired, and so they don't, and they're a little afraid, because America is still America's more violent now than it's ever been. In my estimation, there's more violence coming out of the United States than ever. You know, the export. Uh, the, the the purchase and building and export of military weapons to Ukraine, what's being done in the Middle East. Uh, just you, There's nowhere you can look on the globe where the U.S. military isn't. You know, they used to say about the British Empire, the sun never sets on the British Empire. Well, it never sets on the American Empire now mm. because it's everywhere. Yeah. There are 800 American bases all over this globe, and yet people are hypnotized into believing that that's okay that's a good idea while Americans are, you know, so many Americans are impoverished and, and, and sick Mm -hmm. and and homeless. And, but yeah, it's okay. Let's go spend trillions on war to destroy other countries while not taking care of their own citizens. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that Hawaiians, a lot of Hawaiians, the most educated class of Hawaiians are the most silent, really. They're the most passive. And I don't, I can't, it's hard right now. It's hard right now to look at, you know, our best minds being so politically uh, unwilling, you know, in this moment that can change. Right. I'm hoping that'll change. I'm hoping the little book will help that change uh, oh, yeah. because we need them to be we need all of our best our best to be real kue, right now in this moment or the US is going to do us in forever. You know they're kind of on the verge of strangling us. I think uh, forever.
0: So no, the book "Our Rights to Self-Determination: A Hawaiian Manifesto" by Ann Kelly. The Pope recently visited Canada and offered an apology. But behind him was Trudeau. <laughs> Yet yeah, there was two two presidents that acknowledged that there was the theft that happened to Hawaii. I think it's Grover Cleveland and even Bill Clinton that they offered an apology also. So let's let's start with that and then. Lead us on to the land acknowledgement that so many people have kind of, even our own people are kind of like, okay, that's cool. They're going to give our land back, but yet the, the destruction. So, but but before you say that, um, answer that yes, the external violence that's happening out of the United States, out of the Western mind, has an implosion. I see the implosion of violence, the implosion of capitalism, implosion, the the anger of truth is exactly looking at the anger of the lies. And it's always going to be truth that wins out. And in Hawaii, 130 years in motion from that annexation, there's something ripe right now. Where else can you go? It's, that's the place where no man has gone before. Now they're in space. They're everywhere. But now they're offering that apology. Clinton was the latest president and saying, they, we stole it, and but now what? By acknowledging It's okay now. They're really not going to do anything. They're not going to give the land back to the Hawaiians. And so I'm going to just leave it there because I'm starting to ramble now.
1: (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing. And I don't know. There's that clip going around from uh, reservation dogs of the young woman's doing a kind of land acknowledgement and mentioning the Muskogee and, you know, uh, et cetera. And then saying, and we also need to acknowledge our Neanderthals who were here before and then saying, and we need to acknowledge the dinosaur nation. And she uh, says, dinosaur, yate. and I just, every time I see it, I start laughing because yeah. it's sort of become like, and I think, you know, and I'm not, this is not in any way, shape or form to be heard as me criticizing the land back mm-hmm. campaign that I know is happening around the black Hills. I'm a thousand percent on the side of yes, black Hills back. Yes. you could even just call it black hills back and i'd applaud i'd stand up by chair i'd support that yeah. the, the the issue i have is that that campaign is now being imposed on hawaiians so instead of hawaiian sovereignty now you see these land back flags around hawaii that are actually sometimes featured above the hawaiian flag and i'm like gosh what's happening to our people you know I watch this go on now for over a year and what happens is um you know you can buy a movement you know you can just piece by piece go in and dismantle a movement, a resistance movement by, by buying off certain leaders or by, you know, and you know, this certainly uh, from what you've seen there and experience, it's like, it's hard to be in resistance. There's no money in it. <laughs> mm. There's like, there's poverty, there's struggle, there's becoming unemployable because you can't like in my situation, I can't work for the occupier. I just can't because it's a kind of level of hypocrisy that I cannot personally endure. I don't get to go and work for the occupier and then do what talk the way I'm talking right now. Yeah. And so, you know, I think luckily I'm half Irish. My dad was Irish, and I do have a very Irish kind of sensibility of justice. And and I have a Hawaiian sensibility as well. Um I I I don't want to work against the, the truth just to survive in the lie. I don't want to be well in an unwell society. I think that's asking for trouble. I think that will cause more depression than I have just from the oppression all around me. So I, and any individual has to find ways to empower themselves and to hopefully not lose track of what reality is and what the truth is of a situation. Um, And that's, I think I've really, you know, that's an important kind of central way to be is to say okay there's only so much i can do i have to accept that maybe every all the work i've done for over two decades might be just total failure i don't know i don't really get to know at this point but i do know that what happens when you get apologies from presidents uh used toilet paper is worth more than that apology the only thing actually that would i would have to say the one thing about it that is uh important is that They admitted to the crime you know they admitted it president clinton admitted what the united states did to the hawaiian kingdom so in that sense it's a really important uh law that he signed but politically or how it's played out it was really done to just kind of cover it up so the lie was admitted to and then covered up again (laughs) so (laughs) it's never you know being so land acknowledgement these rituals of land acknowledgement where people acknowledge oh i'm on so-and-so's land it's like i'm not really i you know unless that's going to lead to material change for the people whose land you're standing on just stop just save it because really what it ends up doing is it kind of cleanses the conscience of the person doing it and i don't care if it's a native person or a non-native person doing it honestly because you know one of the things. I mean, life is not easy in Hawaii, especially obviously this is the way I talk, so being the kind of woman I am, it's really not easy. but yeah, you know being in a being a settler in California or any other part of turtle island it's it, that's an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to be a settler. I actually can feel that discomfort, so it's like I have to choose between discomfort of that or discomfort of this. Mm -hmm. At least here I know that I have a belonging that's genealogical, that's from the creator, it's from all my ancestors. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to touch on every day, right? Whereas so many people, especially Americans, have been chased out of their homelands. You know, how many American, Irish Americans even ever go to Ireland? Or Italian Americans ever go back to Italy, right? Like, you know, as hard as it is for you, Lakota, you can go home and touch that Aina. You can touch that land and it'll touch you and your ancestors recognize you, right? And that's a whole other, you know, that's the thing I think if there's anything that's that the non native envies about the native is that we, wow. are, we know who we are. Our that's, umbilical cord hasn't been cut, right?
0: That's right. That's deep. It's so good. We're running out of the so-called time concept here. So, um, and, and people want to end on up note. I always end on a down note because I mean, we can go to to make everything so heavenly that's going to be okay. But then we have to come come down to the earth, you know, and deal with reality. And in the end, in the end, if there there is such a thing, keala, I would want to say. We're running out of politics. We're running out of religion. We're running out of science and technology. Now what?
1: Yeah, we're running out of excuses is what I hear We're running out of excuses for not doing the right thing. It's not, it's never going to change. You know, I heard uh, your interview with uh, Charlie Lyons and he was talking about what's going on in Suriname. And then you guys were talking about Brazil. You're talking about multiple things. It was a really good show. And But he said this thing, he goes, he said something like, and I'm I'm probably going to mess up the quote, but he said something like, if you don't take care of the guardians, you're saying goodbye to the earth. Yes. And it really hit me in my heart. I just felt it, you know, like that's it at the end of every day of every year of all lifetimes. If you do not allow for the guardians of any place to protect and do what they need to do, you're saying goodbye to all of life. And how can we not oppose that? How can we not stand against that? And I'm of the mind that if you oppose something and you stand up to it, there's a good chance you're going to win. You by yourself, maybe not, or me by myself, but there's a good chance if enough of us stand up and lean against that, we can win. And that's still where I'm coming from. You know, no more excuses, okay? That system that has created this, the word, the Hawaiian word is heva, this wrong is never going to correct itself. The only thing we can do is oppose it and hold our ground and hopefully come up with some creative, hopefully non-physically violent, but it's physical violence is being visited upon us, so I'm not sure what to say about that, but, you know, just oppose it with everything we've got, and there's a good chance that enough of the people in that system might wake up from it, you know, wake up from the bad dream they're having. Americans just don't realize they're in a nightmare too. And waking up from a bad dream always feels good, doesn't it? It, <laughs> you does, you it always, does. You always go, oh, thank God, it was just a dream.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't believe you were in it, you know, like. Our <laughs> rights to self-determination, a Hawaiian manifesto by Ann Kale Kelly. People need to have sit in circles. We need to talk about this because this is the basis of everything, even here in Turtle Island. Maybe because we're so tired of our own history that this curiosity to some people is actually the base of what's happening here. We're, we're overwhelmed by layers of colonialism, so we don't even want to, want to try anymore. This little book is a key. Um, where can we get a hold of this?
1: Yes, yeah, so a Mahalo Nui for putting it that way. And I would also say you reminded me when you said layers of colonialism anymore. I just feel like it's layers of lies. Colonialism is just the lie that keeps lying. And, yes, we all need to free ourselves from that lie. And people can get the book at my website. They can use it at or kuleanaworks.com. It goes to the same place, and I'll spell that for your audience. It's www.kuleanaworks.com, kuleanaworks.com. The word kuleana means response, being responsible. So, so let's well, be hallelujah. responsible. That's, yeah, yes. thanks so much for for talking with me and taking the time to read this. This was, was such a a difficult thing to get into print. And I really appreciate you putting your mind and your spirit to, to it, because you're like one of these voices, you know, that and you know what this is about. So you're able to speak to it. And I really appreciate you doing this.
0: I feel like we only got through to a third of the book, even though it's a, it's a little book of sovereignty. You can imagine what the energy of the rest of it, reading the events, the facts, the history, can take you. This actually happened and is actually happening still. Thank you again for being here on First Voices Radio. Aloha. And that was Anne Kayla Kelly, who was Kanaka Maoli from the Big Island in Hawaii. She's an activist, a journalist, a filmmaker, and she's addressing the critical links between cultural, environmental and spiritual survival in the movement for Hawaiian self determination. Again, our rights to self determination, a Hawaiian manifesto, which was just published. And for more information, again, nkealakelly.com. Thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. My name is Teokas and Ghost Horse. Toksha ake Butterfly wings On the bow He wraps himself